0: Happy Easter, everybody. Obviously, you were unprepared for that greeting. I will give you, since it's Easter, I'll give you a second chance. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. Thank you. I appreciate that. I am really glad that you've chosen to spend this special day with us here at Cedar Creek Church. Now, I realize when I say that today is a special day, that that is a huge understatement, isn't it? Today is Easter. It is an amazing day. It's an overwhelming day. It is a phenomenal day. It is the celebration of a day that changed the world forever. think, Think about this. Today, over the next 24 hours, two billion people all over the world. People from every country on this earth will gather to celebrate Easter. Some will gather in churches like we are. Some will gather in beautiful, ornate cathedrals. Some will gather in houses. Some will gather in huts. Some will gather in hiding for fear of their government. But wherever and however people gather today, we all gather for the same reason. To celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. There is no doubt that Easter is a big deal. The bigger question, the more important question is, is it a big deal for you? Does this event we celebrate today that took place over 2,000 years ago still have significance? Does it have any meaning? Does it have any impact in our lives today? And I believe with all my heart that the answer to that question is overwhelmingly yes. In fact, I want you to notice what the Bible says there at the top of your outline. Romans 8 verse 11. It says, just as God raise Christ Jesus from the dead he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you I want you to circle that phrase give life the life that God wants to give us is not just our physical lives it's not just about the breath in our lungs and the heartbeat In our chest it is a new life that God wants to give us a resurrected life and when I say a resurrected life I'm not talking about just turning over a new leaf I'm not just talking about having a fresh start a do-over in your life and I'm not talking about just a new and improved version of the same old you I'm talking about a life totally and radically transformed from the inside out. That's what the resurrection can do. That's what Easter means. Easter means that we can be free from the pain of our past. Easter means that we can have a purpose in our life right now. And Easter means we have a hope for our future in this life, and the next. And that, friends, is a day worth celebrating. That is something to be excited about. Easter's a big deal. And so, what I want to do this morning is spend just a few moments helping every one of us personally connect with the resurrection of Jesus and what it means for our life today. And to help us do that, we're going to look at a guy whose life was totally transformed because of Jesus' resurrection. His name was Peter. If you've been around church or are familiar with the Bible at all, you've probably heard that name before. In fact, if you were with us last week, you know that Peter was a fisherman, but he was also one of the first people Jesus called. To come and follow him. And Peter did exactly that. For three and a half years, he followed Jesus every day. He went where Jesus went. He saw everything that Jesus did up close and personal. He became intimately connected with Jesus. They became like best friends. In fact, he was a part of Jesus inner circle and yet after spending all of that time with Jesus hearing everything he said Peter still had this assumption that what Jesus wanted from him was just to work a little harder to be a little more committed to to clean up his act see Peter thought that's what Jesus wanted him to do was to be a better version of the old Peter And Peter thought he could do it. Peter was convinced that he could commit, that he had enough willpower, that he had enough strength, that he could overcome all the junk in his life and become a new person. And here's the problem. That self-reliance that Peter had would ultimately lead to his greatest failure in life. The night before Jesus was arrested, he told Peter and all of his followers that when the heat was on, they would abandon him. When he needed them the most, they would scatter and run. And Peter jumped up from the table and said, Not me, Lord. All of these other punks may bail on you, but you can count on me. I am committed to you. Lord, I'll go to prison for you i am all in i will die for you jesus a few hours later peter standing in a courtyard outside the house of the high priest while jesus was on trial what in those moments pressured by the people around him would deny that he even knew who jesus was Not one time, not two times, three times. Finally, with profanity, cursing and swearing, he said, I don't know this man. And then the rooster crowed. Peter looked up, and there he found himself looking into the very eyes of the friend he had betrayed and denied. And in that moment, that friend's Is a broken man that's a man who's finally gotten to the end of himself now fast forward two months that same broken humbled Peter afraid to admit that he knew Jesus because they might crucify him now stands in the streets of Jerusalem and boldly preaches to thousands that Jesus is resurrected He preaches Jesus to the very people who put Jesus on the cross. That's a resurrected man. That's a transformed man. What happened? What changed for Peter? I'll tell you what changed. He had a personal encounter with a resurrected Jesus. And it transformed his life. And it can still do that for you today. As we unpack this encounter that Jesus and the other, that Peter and the other disciples have with Jesus on the night of his resurrection, we see four reasons why the resurrection matters. Four things that the resurrection changes in every one of our lives. You ready? Here we go. Number one, the resurrection matters because it brings peace to our doubts and fears. The resurrection brings peace to our doubts and fears. We don't know exactly what Peter did in the hours and days after he denied Jesus. We don't know where he was that Friday, that Saturday of that first Easter weekend. But we know where he was early on that first Easter Sunday morning. He and another follower of Jesus named John were hiding out in a house in Jerusalem. They had locked the doors, they had locked the windows, they had pulled the shades, and they were afraid. They didn't want the soldiers to come for them. And so you can imagine in the early hours before the sun came up, the panic that hit them when they heard a rattle at the gate. Somebody knocking on the door. And when they peeked out the window to see, they were relieved to discover it was just Mary Magdalene, a friend of theirs. And when they went down to open the door and let her in, they could see she was freaking out. Something had happened. She told them a story. She said, this morning, I went to the tomb to pay my respects. I went to put the spices on the body because we weren't able to do that because he was taken down. It was Sabbath. And I went to finish the work of preparing him for death. And the stone was rolled away and his body is gone. And Mary was convinced that grave robbers had stolen the body. Peter and John immediately took off running through the streets of Jerusalem, outside the city gates to the tomb, and they discovered exactly what Mary said had happened, had happened. The huge stone was rolled away. Peter ran immediately into the tomb. John was so freaked out he stayed outside, and what Peter saw blew him away. The linen strips that Jesus' body had been wrapped in were laying there in the tomb, only they weren't unwrapped and in a pile. They had not been cut. They had just flattened out as if his body had just vanished. But the covering for his head had been neatly folded by someone and set aside. John came into the tomb then, and when he saw what Peter saw, he immediately believed. Jesus is alive. Peter, on the other hand, not so sure. Peter had his doubts. And besides, from Peter's perspective, even if Jesus was alive, it's never going to be the same again. He had denied him. He had abandoned him. So maybe it's great that Jesus is alive, but it's not so good for me. Later that same Sunday night, Peter and John went back to the house. Only this time they were joined by the other remaining disciples. And they again had locked the door, pulled the shades, and in fear and doubt, they waited. And notice what Jesus did. Verse 19 there on your outline. It says, suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Can you imagine what they felt? Maybe excitement, but can you imagine what Peter felt? Shame. Guilt, fear, result. But notice what Jesus says. Peace be with you. Why would Jesus say that? Look, if I'm Jesus, and the last time I saw these guys, they were bailing on me. They were letting me down. They were denying that they even knew me. I'm not saying peace be with you. I'm saying what's wrong with you. Right? Where were you? Why didn't you measure up? But that's not what Jesus said. He said, peace be with you. Why? Because Jesus meets us where we are and gives us what we need, not what we deserve. And he's still doing that today. See, I think many of us have this tendency, this idea, that in order to be a Christ follower, we have to eliminate all our fears, remove and work through all our doubts, have our act together, get our life right, and then bring it to Jesus. Nothing could be further from the truth. A resurrected life is not a life that's worked through all its doubts and eliminated all its fears. It's a life that is willing to trust Jesus in the middle of my doubts and fears. That's what transformed Peter's life, and it can transform yours as well. So let me just ask you straight up what doubts and fears are you wrestling with this morning? What are your doubts and fears today? Some of you have some doubts about your relationships. Maybe you have some fears about your health, your financial situation. Some of you have some doubts about whether or not any of this stuff is real. Maybe it's just a myth. Maybe it didn't happen. Whatever your doubts and fears are, I would tell you this morning that Easter is an open invitation to run into Jesus' peace with all your doubts and fears. That's why the resurrection matters. Number two, the second reason the resurrection matters is because it shows God's love for us. See, the resurrection is not only a demonstration of God's power over death and the grave, but it is an expression of God's love for you. Notice what else Jesus does. Verse 20. He says to Peter and the other disciples, it says, as he spoke, understand, as he's saying, peace be with you, check out what he's doing. It says, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. What's what's Jesus doing? Two things, really. One, he's validating His identity. By showing them the scars in his hand and in his side, he's saying, it's me, guys. I'm here. It's the same person you saw crucified three days ago. I'm not a ghost. I'm not a celebrity lookalike. I am the real deal, and I am here. He is validating his identity. But he's doing a second thing, too. He's showing them his love. He's saying, guys, this is how much I love you. This is how valuable you are to me. This is how much I love you. Can you imagine the impact that that had on Peter? In all the ways he had messed it up, in all of his failures, Jesus would show up and say, I love you, Peter. Jesus shows up today and tells the same thing to you. Look, I know you know Jesus died. It's a historical fact. My question is, do you know that he died for you? He died for you because he loved you. It is the greatest act of love ever done on your behalf. The death of Jesus on the cross. No man will ever love you that much. No woman will ever love you that much. No parent, no child. You cannot find that kind of love in the people around you. So stop looking for it and find it in the one who truly loves you. You don't believe me? Look at what the Bible says, Romans 5 eight. It says, God showed his great love for us. By sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Do you get that? God's love for you is personal. It says God showed his love for us. You know, we all know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We read that and we think about God's love for the world being for the masses, for all people, all where. And it is. But we forget that God's love is for us. If you had been the only person in need of salvation, he would have died just for you. God's love is personal. It's also unconditional. Did you catch that? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not once we got our act together, once we cleaned ourselves up, once we figured it all out and put a new coat of paint on our lives it says in the middle of the worst moment of the worst day of the biggest failure of those things that I'm so ashamed of in my life in that moment Christ died for you and when you get this it changes everything because it changes how you think it changes how you act and it changes how you feel about yourself And about the people around you. See, here's the truth. Most of our lives are driven by a desire for love and acceptance. Almost all the things we do, there's this deep down need to be loved and accepted. And some of you have spent your whole life trying to find love and acceptance from people who will never give it to you. And the good news of Easter is you don't need it to be whole and healed. The God of the universe loves you unconditionally. I know you've got some deep wounds and deep scars. I know based on maybe the way you grew up, the circumstances of your life, or how another person treated you, That you have these deep wounds and you don't feel loved and you don't feel valued and when you look in the mirror you ask yourself could anybody ever love me am I worth anything and I would say stop looking in the mirror and turn your eyes to the bloody cross and empty tomb and see how much you are loved the resurrection transforms our lives it matters Because it shows God's love for us. Then number three, the third reason the resurrection matters is because it gives us purpose. It gives us purpose in this life. You've heard me say this before. The greatest tragedy in life is not death. The greatest tragedy in life is to live it without ever knowing why without understanding why you are here. And Jesus, through his resurrection, gives us purpose. Look at verse 21. Again, he, Jesus, said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. What's he saying? He's saying, you've got a mission. You've got a purpose on this planet. And that purpose is not just for yourself. That purpose is not just about looking good, feeling good, and having the goods. It is about making a positive difference in the lives of others. And that mission that Jesus gives is not just for these 11 guys 2,000 years ago hiding in a room. It is for every one of us today. Look at what the Bible says, Ephesians 2.10. It says, God has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago see the new life that's offered through the resurrection is a life of purpose I don't know the circumstances of your birth and I don't know what kind of parents you had or didn't have I don't know how they felt about having you in their lives but here's what i do know i know how god feels about you he created you on purpose for a purpose you are not an accident you are not a mistake there may be illegitimate parents but there are no illegitimate people god created every one of us for his Purposes, And I can just tell you from experience, until you start living for His purposes, your life may be full of motion, but it won't have any meaning. And until you start living for His purposes in your life, you will have a full schedule, but you will never have an unfulfilled heart. Do you ever feel like your life is a merry-go-round that somebody else is pushing and You don't even know how you got there, and you sure don't know how to get off, and it just feels like something else is in control. The good news of Easter is you have a choice. You can get off the merry-go-round. You can get off the treadmill. You can stop running after somebody else's expectations of you, or the culture's expectations of you, and you can start living the life that God created you for. But see, the truth is, some of us, if we're honest, we're afraid to do that. We're afraid to surrender and pursue His purposes. We're afraid to honor God with our lives, to live our lives based on the standards of His Word, not the lust and desires of our hearts. Because we think, man, if I started living that way, I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to miss out on the good stuff. Because I know you look around at some of the people who claim to be honoring God with their lives, and they look like miserable people. They're always frowning, they're always in a bad mood, they're mad or sad. And you're thinking, you know, they, they look like they've been baptized in vinegar and weaned on a dill pickle. And you're like, I don't want to live like that. You're afraid God is going to turn you into some kind of religious freak. You'll start wearing double-knit polyester and a bad comb-over hairdo and carrying a giant Bible, some kind of weird religious freak. Nothing could be further from the truth. Hear me. God's purpose for your life is a perfect match for who you are. He created you the way he created you. Your personality... Your talents, the way that you are, your experience, all of those things are part of God's plan. It is how he has shaped you and you fit perfectly for the purposes he created you for. And until you start living that way, your life is going to continue to fall apart and be torn up until you live for what you were created for. The resurrection matters because it gives us purpose in life. And then finally number four, maybe the biggest reason that the resurrection matters is that it offers us forgiveness. It offers forgiveness not only for ourselves but for others. And that's good news because the two biggest barriers to change, the two biggest things that keep us from changing in our life is guilt and resentment. Guilt over the things we've done in our past and resentment over the things that other people have done to us. So you need to understand, that first Easter morning, Peter wasn't just hiding behind locked doors to hide from soldiers. He was trapped in a self-imposed prison of guilt and shame. And that's why Jesus says to Peter and to all of the disciples that night, these powerful words from verse 23, Jesus says, look, guys, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, when you read that, if you're like me, it seems like Jesus is granting special powers to these 11 men. Right? Like Jesus is saying, all right, guys, you can go around. You can decide who gets forgiven and who doesn't. That's the problem with taking a verse out of context and just reading it by itself. You'll come up with a bad translation. Because see, the Bible is clear from cover to cover. Only God can forgive our sins. Only God can do that. So what is Jesus saying to them? He's saying His resurrection brings the power for the forgiveness of sins. And since they are witnesses to that resurrection, they are to carry that message of forgiveness everywhere they go but i think jesus is also revealing to them that they also now because of the resurrection have the power to release the people who hurt them they have the power to unchain themselves from the people who have wounded and scarred them in the past that they can be free because forgiveness means releasing to god The pain that other people have caused me because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Forgiveness can flow across this earth. That's so important because we all got junk in our trunk, right? We all got a past. We've all got pain for things we've done, the things that other people have done to us. And most of us try to deal with our past in one of three ways. Some of us just try to hide it sweep it under the rug, repress it, pretend like it didn't happen, try to wipe it away. The problem is it did happen, and it's always there. Some of us try to get past our past by minimizing it. Well, it's not that big a deal. Everybody's doing it. I'm not perfect, but I'm better than so-and-so. At least I haven't done those things. And we think by minimizing our past that somehow it goes away, but it's still there. Some of us try to deal with our past by canceling it out through good deeds. Yes, I know I've done these bad things, but if I do these good things, now I can balance the scale and maybe I will be okay. But the problem is the bad things are still there. There's only one way to get past your past. And that is to give it to the one who's already paid for it. Notice what the Bible says, Colossians 2. It says, he forgave all, all our sins. He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. What's that mean? It means he was crucified. You can stop crucifying yourself. Because he was crucified you can stop crucifying others and finally be free. And the Bible says, if the Son of God has set you free, you are free indeed. So how do you find that? How do you find that true freedom from our past? How do we find that purpose in our presence? How do we find the security that comes from knowing that God loves us and that he gives peace to our problems? There's only one way. Only one way. Notice what the Bible says, John 17. It says, and this is the way to have eternal life, by knowing the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Do you understand what that verse says? It says it is a relationship. It's not a religion. It's not about following rules. It's not about a bunch of rituals. It is about knowing God through a relationship with Jesus. That word knowing there is not the same as it is in our language. See, knowing to us means to know about, to know information about, to know everything the Bible says. Look, finding this resurrected life is not being able to quote God's Wikipedia page and know everything about Him. It is to know Him intimately the way a husband and wife know each other. It's A relationship so let me ask you today do you have that relationship maybe you've never been in church before maybe you've been in church your whole life but it's just been knowledge about learning about God or what other people say God is like and if that's you I believe God brought you here today on purpose to tell you that all you need to do is reach out to him That he's there. In fact, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I can think of no better day than on Easter Sunday to take that first step in beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's do this. I want to ask you all of our campuses, just bow your head, close your eyes for just a minute. And let me just ask you, if you believe... That what God is offering through the resurrection of Jesus is what you need. I know you don't understand all the details. You don't know all the things that other people seem to know. But you just know the desperation in your heart. If that's you today, you can take the first step. That first step of faith is just asking Jesus to enter into a relationship with you. Just there at your seat. You don't need to come down front. You don't have to shake a preacher's hand. You don't need a priest. You don't need anything religious. You just need a heart crying out to God. Would you just say this in your heart? Say, God, I don't understand all of this, but I know I need it. I invite you into my life, my world, my mess, my brokenness. And I choose by faith to receive your forgiveness. I choose to believe, even though it doesn't make much sense to me, that you died for me and that your shed blood forgives the brokenness. And so today, Lord, I want to begin a new journey. Not just a fresh start, not just turning over a new leaf, but a transformed heart. I want to turn and walk a different way. I want to live for your purposes not my own, and not what the world tells me. Oh, if that's your heart's cry this morning, the Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation transformed from the inside out. And if that's your decision today, would you just let me know about that? There's a little place on the tear-off of the card you got when you came into your campus. Would you just check that box that would just simply say, I want to talk to someone about a relationship with Jesus? I'm not going to bug you. I'm not going to show up at your house. I'm not going to send you literature. I'm not going to do anything but pray for you and be available to walk with you. It's the first step in a brand new journey. Or, Or maybe you're here today and you have a relationship with Jesus, but if you are honest, you have been living your life as if the tomb were not empty. And if that's you, I believe God brought you here today to remind you to live in the power, the love, the peace, and the forgiveness and the purpose of the resurrection. To live free. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We love you. We celebrate today. Not just with baskets and candy and ham and eggs and new clothes. We celebrate with joy-filled hearts your resurrection. We pray these things in the name of the one who died and rose again. Amen.